Maybe it's nothing, but you've noticed that lately your friends are calling you out for your lateness, forgetfulness, and your daydreaming. You've always had these tendencies, but you've never really had others pointed out to you. And after a quick Google search, you find that these are symptoms of ADHD, at least how it presents itself in women. At first, you don't want to believe it, and you're reluctant to claim a label that seems to be the diagnosis du jour. Social media would have you think that everybody and their mother has ADHD these days, but once you look into it, it makes sense. And suddenly you feel validated. And you can see how your symptoms show up in your friendships. And now you're wondering if sharing your newfound diagnosis would come across as an excuse for the ways that you've been dropping the ball lately with your friends. So how do you bridge the gap? Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Tracy Alloway, who we've had on the Friend Forward podcast before. She blew our minds when she was talking about the unique wiring of women's brains and how it impacts our friendships. I had to have her back again. She is speaking to us about what ADHD is, how it presents itself in women, some of the ways that it impacts our relationships, and then what we can do as friends who do not have the diagnosis as we show support and understanding and even boundaries sometimes with friends who have ADHD. So if this is a conversation you've been curious about and you found that it's been impacting your relationships, then stay tuned. Welcome to the Friend Forward Podcast, powered by BetterFemaleFriendships.com. I'm Danielle Byer-Jackson, a friendship coach, educator, and author of the upcoming book, Fighting for Our Friendships. And it's my job to share the science of women's conflict and connection. So when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding these kinds of relationships, I am here to help you through it. So let's start with a baseline. Before we jump to this conversation, can you define for us or describe for us what ADHD is? Yeah, such a great question. And we hear the label used quite frequently. And so there's a difference between people maybe using it as a shorthand to, hey, I wasn't paying attention, I'm so ADHD, to a clinical diagnosis of ADHD where you're looking at the frequency of those hyperactive, impulsive, and inattentive behaviors And not just the frequency, but the significant impact on the functioning that person has in their friendships, their everyday life, even their work balance. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that because, you know, especially in the time of social media, but so much of this mental health language is going mainstream. And I'm just going to keep it real. I am sensitive to it. I really am. But at the same time, I see how loose we're getting. And so it's hard sometimes being a person in this world trying to differentiate between what's accurate, what's not. And so for a person who does have ADHD, is this different? Does it present itself differently in men than women? I know you specialize a lot of your content in women's experiences. Is it different in that way? It is. And as a result, it often gets undiagnosed in females, especially in childhood. So for males, the way that they demonstrate their ADHD symptoms is often that hyperactive, that impulsivity, the kind of traditional ways we think of when we hear of ADHD. In contrast for females, that's more the inattentive, the daydreaming, and it often gets overlooked, especially in the classroom, because they're not causing a problem. They're not paying attention, but they're not being disruptive. So the teacher thinks, okay, you know, Susie, Janice over there, they're not listening, but it's they're not causing a problem. I don't need to intervene. And oftentimes that results in an undiagnosed concern later on, difficulty as they progress through their academic career. And more importantly, mental health issues. So a lot of times we see what's called comorbidity, where you have ADHD together with anxiety, 
where that sense of ADHD results in a procrastination. You think, oh, I'll put it off. I don't need to do that. And in part, it's how the brain is wired. It's set up to needing that very strict structure. When we don't have that externally, we're not going to put that on ourselves internally simply because that ADHD brain doesn't create that structure for ourselves. So we procrastinate and that can feed into anxiety. I didn't do that. What's going to happen? And it can result to this kind of circle that can lead to being debilitating as a result. Mm, Interesting. You know, as you're describing that, I'm thinking of things women have shared with me in terms of certain conflicts, or maybe not a big conflict, just maybe a little pinch that they're experiencing, this tension with a friend who is late or forgetful or who doesn't follow through with that thing that she said she would. And she tells her friend, you know, well, you know, I have ADHD. And the friend finds herself trying to be understanding, but also trying to navigate the fact that it's difficult sometimes to reconcile that with trying to function in the friendship. Like, okay, I can sympathize, but at the same time, I feel uncared for. I feel forgotten. I feel like you're not investing as much as I am because of how you present yourself. You know, talk to me about how this might impact friendships to have some of these things you described. Yeah, it's such a such a powerful question, and it has huge impacts. There's a huge body of research looking specifically at ADHD and social skills, and there are two ways in which ADHD can impact friendships. One is that impulsivity, so you might have that friend that's always blurting in, jumping in, changing plans at the last minute, and for them, it's like I'm just being spontaneous. You know, I'm just I'm being involved. I'm just you know jumping on, supporting you. When in fact, that impulsivity, that inability to wait their turn, even in conversations, even in planning, may be interpreted as, hey, you're disregarding what I value, what I would like to do. I'm sharing right now and you're you're talking over me. But for the friend with ADHD, they're not viewing it as that way. So that impulsivity can show up as a lack of caring, a lack of concern for space for other people's sort of turn-taking, very simply put, in a conversation. So that's the first way that that can impact friendships. The other is that procrastination, which can show up in being late to events. So that procrastination is that ADHD brain is wired that, oh, I've I have 30 minutes, I've loaded time, I have 20 minutes, I still have time. And all of a sudden, you're five minutes away, they're, they're 30 minutes late now. And so that can show up in a friendship situation is they just don't care. You know, they're not invested enough in this event. This party was important to me. Why couldn't you show up in time? So those perspectives, I think recognizing that there's not malice involved in those actions, not to excuse them, but purely from a descriptive perspective, the brain of the ADHD person is wired differently. That prefrontal cortex, that planning, that thinking ahead is often underactive in the ADHD brain, even in adults. And that's why we do know, you know, there's certain techniques to help that. But from the recipient of those ADHD behaviors, maybe that knowledge can help you recognize that, okay, maybe I need to give them a 30-minute window. If the event starts at 7, I need to tell them it starts at 6.30. You know, kind of do the dad move where you move up that deadline a little bit more. But recognizing that there's not necessarily a malintent involved in their behaviors, their brain is wired that way. And again, it doesn't excuse that behavior, but it can maybe help you as the recipient have some clarification, some explanation, and also come up with language, a script. Like you can at a later time say, hey, you know, when I'm sharing, I would love to finish my sentence and then I would be happy to hear that. And maybe we can have a script. So almost give them like you would with a child. You know, it it provides them that structure and it can be very helpful to say, I would like to talk till I'm done venting or sharing. And then when I say, tell me what you think or what do you feel or what should I do? 
that's your cue. I want to hear your opinion at that point. But until that time, I just need to unload a little bit and I'm looking for our friendship as an opportunity to do that. So creating those cues in conversation can be helpful as a recipient. But the person with ADHD is recognizing that about yourself, knowing that you know, in conversation, maybe you do get so excited and it's hard to control that excitement. You want to blurt in. What can you do? Do you kind of sit in your hands almost as a physical reminder that when I'm sitting on my hands, that's a cue to my brain. Don't talk it. And so creating that menu for yourself, if you're the person that's wanting to moderate these behaviors a little bit more. And I say this in the therapeutic to my clients, come up with a menu, not just one thing, because maybe your hands are busy and you're holding something and food, drinks, and you can't sit on them. What are some other things that you can do to just communicate to your brain? Hey, it's not your turn right now. You know, maybe simply you just bite your lip a little bit, you know, and or chew gum, something that communicates that this has to wait just a moment. Oh, this is so good. I mean, I appreciate your wealth of knowledge, but also like the tactical things that we can do because I know sometimes it can be frustrating when we have a friend who maybe we do confront about her lateness or, or forgetfulness or the interruptions and are met with things like, well, I mean, you know, I have ADHD. So, and I think what's hard in those moments is that the person who does have ADHD wants understanding from her friends and she wants to know that like, well, you know that this is going on. So just let me be right. But then the friend is like, I attach a certain meaning to these Mm -hmm. things. So when you interrupt, I feel like you don't want to hear me when you're late. I feel like this wasn't important to you. And so I, I love that you're kind of addressing both sides because I guess it does become about how do we communicate to each other? I do care about you. And what are certain behaviors and tendencies that are getting in the way of this person believing that you care? Mm -hmm. And again, it could be back to giving that concrete thing. You can say, hey, can you arrive between 6 to 6.15? And we both can communicate that we care about each other. If you're on the later end, it's okay. And I know that I've kind of created a buffer for us. So I'm not going to, again, view your behavior as ill-intent or malintent towards me. I don't mean to sound dramatic, but this is your last chance. The Friendship Elevated Group Coaching Program kicks off in the second week of October. And if you have ever considered working together, this might be our last cohort for a while. So here's how it works. From October through December, you, me, and an intimate group of women just like you will meet together virtually every other week to learn what the research has to say about adult friendships. Between these sessions, You'll watch video modules at your own pace that are created according to my background as an educator and curriculum specialist, so you know it's going to be good. I'm just saying. (laughs) We're not only learning the technical stuff, but we're going to apply it with weekly challenges that require you to activate what you just learned in the real world, because it's not just about education. It's about having genuine transformation. You can learn more at betterfemalefriendships.com slash membership to enjoy the early bird discount and to read more about the details. See you soon. Are there any misconceptions that you see just in general around people who do have ADHD, stereotypes that maybe a friend has and a friend has told her, I have ADHD, but she's already pushing against certain preconceived notions. What are some things that we tend to get wrong about it? Now, I know you spoke to like certain gender differences and how it might present itself, But have you noticed any other ways that we're getting it wrong? 
Yeah, I would say because of the connection between anxiety and ADHD, that can be very tricky for sometimes the individual. If you're struggling with either or both of these to pull that apart, they may focus just on the anxiety and not recognize that the anxiety is a result of the ADHD. And that's why speaking to a therapist, speaking to your family doctor, even if you're comfortable with that, can be really helpful. I have seen a lot of clients come in and they talk about, I don't know why, I just, I feel anxious whenever there's a deadline coming up. I feel anxious when there's a social situation coming up. And it could be that that anxiety is real, but it's a result of that ADHD behavior that they know. They know that they're going to procrastinate. And then it creates a cycle of when I procrastinate, I don't leave enough time. I won't be able to do a good job. And then I'm going to get criticized by my, you know, my supervisor, my boss. So it creates that cycle. And Instead of addressing the anxiety, addressing the ADHD, like, okay, how can I break this task up in small pieces? How can I start two weeks earlier, but just do one piece at a time so I don't feel overwhelmed? In a social setting, it could be, you know, maybe I jump in, I say the wrong thing, I just get so excited, I'm not thinking in that moment, and that creates its social anxiety. So instead of addressing the anxiety, go back to think of that impulsivity. Do I have a script? When I meet new people, I have three questions that I ask. It's rehearsed. It's automatic. So in that moment when I'm in a social situation, I don't have to think of what to say. And so you're taking that cognitive burden away in that social situation and you're helping to manage that impulsivity. And then it's very likely you'll see that anxiety in those situations diminish as a result. So I think the first part is just everyday functioning. You know, we sometimes are not aware of the connection between ADHD and anxiety specifically and how that interplay works out in our everyday life. And we may address one and we might think, well, I'm doing the things, I'm doing the work, you know, I'm doing the breathing, you know, whatever it is, I'm talking, I'm going to therapy, I'm taking medication. That's what you think is appropriate for you. Why is nothing changing? Why do I still feel this way? And it could be because we need to go a little step back and think, could it be ADHD that's underlying some of this impulsivity, some of this procrastination that's causing this down the road? Yeah, God, this is so good. And I'm hoping, I, I'm confident that women listening right now are like having aha moments because, you know, the goal is to better relate and understand the women that we care about. But sometimes it's just so hard when we have never entertained that perspective and, you know, we're not equipped with this kind of knowledge. And so I hope that, you know, we're helping to build bridges between, you know, there's this woman I love, but I keep having this pinch with her and I don't know, you know, so we can see each other clearly and with a little more compassion. Is there anything else that you feel like is worth noting when it comes to ADHD and its relational impacts? Yeah, I think one of the key things to also think about is sometimes we may we take on too much. And especially as women, we multitask. And it's our brain does work more synergistically. You know, we tend to work on multiple paths simultaneously. And we do a fairly efficient job of that. And sometimes, though, when we have too many plates on the go, it can feel like we have ADHD brain. So I think, again, recognizing in yourself, is this a disorder, like a clinical diagnosis? Or is it just I've taken on too much and I need to... Mm -hmm take a step back or accept that this is this is temporary. It is a busy season and I'm okay. In a month, there's an end in sight and I can slow everything down. So I think recognizing too for yourself when you're feeling overwhelmed, are you forgetting things? Are you kind of not paying attention as much? Do you just want to rush to get things done? Those are symptoms of ADHD, but they may also be symptoms of multitasking at a sort of super level, then maybe we need to tone down a little bit because it's actually negatively impacting us. So recognizing too that tension between the symptoms versus that actual disorder that has a more 
pervasive and permanent impact for us. Mm, okay. See, that is a part of this conversation I feel like is missing. And that's so good about helping us differentiate between, okay, what's really going on here? Is this a disorder? Have I taken on too much? You know, it's so important to slow us down and really get us thinking about what's going on so we know how to move forward in a healthy, functional way. So that is, mm-hmm. that's so important. I'm obsessed with like everything you say. <laughs> and like everything you share for women who are listening, who are really feeling what you're sharing and they want to follow along with all that you've got going on. Where can they follow along with you? Do you have any new projects? You know, tell us what's going on with you. Yeah. So I do have a website, tracypackham.com. I do a weekly segment with the affiliate ABC, NBC network. It's called Mental Health Mondays, and it's a short four-minute TV segment, and I always post that as well. We talk about habits, a broad range of topics. So if you're interested in me covering a topic, send me a message and let me know. I'm on social media as well, Dr. Tracy Packiam. And I'm also very excited about a new project. We're looking at brain imaging and we're creating a happiness language scale, like a love language scale, but a happy language scale. And we're collecting data and we're looking at brain imaging to see what parts of the brain light up most when we talk about our happiness. So, oh my God. Well, first of all, you've definitely piqued my interest. We have to have you back because I'm so intrigued about this, this concept of the happiness scale. And I just appreciate you for the work that you do and for taking time to join us here as a guest on the Friend Forward podcast. If you are curious to hear more about what Dr. Tracy Alloway has to say on this subject, be sure to follow along with her. Her information is in the show notes. But in the meantime, as your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. I'm going to speak to both sides here. If you are a woman who is affected by ADHD, the homework that I have for you this week is I want you to acknowledge the efforts that you're making with your friends and then communicate your needs. Something that is unhelpful to other friends is when we say, well, you know I have ADHD, which can sometimes make them suspicious of how valid it is, and then also wondering if we care. That's the main concern. Do we care about them? Because if we are late or forgetful of an important date or event that they had, or if we are kind of daydreaming while they're talking so we didn't hear what they said, all those things we know is not a reflection of your lack of care, but it can be interpreted as a lack of care. So what are the things that you can do to combat some of the ways that those symptoms show up? Maybe you front load the conversation by saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, sometimes I have ADHD, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best here to focus on what you're saying, right? Sometimes verbalizing the efforts you're making, putting certain things in the calendar or arriving super early or asking them to send you a reminder text at the time that you should start getting ready, those things demonstrate an effort. That way they know that if there is something that falls through the cracks, it's not for a lack of care, right? And for those friends who are trying to support someone with ADHD, try your best to recognize their efforts. If there's a specific need that you have, can you articulate that? Can you work to be flexible or accommodating in the ways that feel good to you, right? And if you find yourself feeling some kind of way about her forgetfulness, her constant lateness and things like that, articulate that, but in a way that is not accusatory. So instead of saying, gosh, you're always late, like you're disrespectful of my time, or I can't believe you forgot that day. It was really important to me. Be careful of the meaning we assign to those tendencies. So maybe you'll say, hey, whenever you're late, I can't help but feel like maybe you don't take this event seriously, or the story that I'm telling myself is that you don't care. And so sometimes just articulating that and pausing to jump to assumptions can be helpful. Now, if the lateness, the forgetfulness is chronic and it's happening in a way that is making you kind of question her commitment or it's just disruptive to the way that you want to function in a friendship, 
Well, that's a larger conversation and we're happy to support you through it. So you can visit us anytime on Instagram at friendforward or come and send us a message on our website at betterfemalefriendships.com. Until then, you know that I'll be right here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time.